This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. And you can determine whether or not you want to go through that when you get there. I'm not trying to be, this, if this is your first time here, this is not how I normally am. I'm normally much kinder and funnier. But today, today the Lord is talking to us, church, and we cannot miss this. I'm not going to miss it. Like, like Joshua, as he's ending his life, he says, as his life is coming to a conclusion, he says, serve whoever you want to serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So I'm just going to say this for me. My family is going to get it. I don't know about you. We're going to get it. Kicking and screaming, we're going to get it. Well, guess what? I don't got to drag you along. So let's get it this morning. Amen. 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 Let's thank the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, God, for how you're moving and how you're shaping and how you're, you're, your loving kindness, oh, Lord, and your tender mercies are for us today, Lord, and drawing us nearer to you. Thank you, Lord, for your word that's already gone forth here today, Lord, and we receive that word. God, forgive us for, for, Lord, only receiving it to a certain point and not, Lord, truly investing that and putting that deep inside of our spirits. But, God, I pray that you give us another opportunity today as we show you thanks and gratitude for what you've already done. I pray that you give us another opportunity today, Lord, that we can come to you. And Lord, I commit that, Lord, as for me my house, we're going to align with you and do what you want. And we'll surrender until you say it's enough. Until you say stop. In Jesus' name. Book of Hebrews, chapter 12. That's where I'm going to be reading from here this morning. Hebrews, chapter 12. While you're turning there, I don't know if we realize, but this is a very pivotal point for us as a church. This moment, sometimes we don't think moments are very pivotal. We think there's always next Sunday. There's always next Sunday. But let me tell you, as far as I'm concerned, there is no next Sunday. We don't live in next Sunday. You're here right now. And the Lord wants to do something now. Okay. This is so, like, God is so cool because of what he's doing right here this morning. But don't get wrapped up in how cool he is and say, oh, fist bump Jesus. Like, no. He's going to do something really real today. If you let him. If you receive it. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. Moses, 
I'm sorry, sis. I think I gave you the wrong scriptures. I know I did. So I'm sorry. I gave our media team the wrong scriptures. I wrote it down incorrectly. Let me make sure that I find it so everybody can get there together. I think it's, I know it's in Hebrews. Well, that's embarrassing. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 3, verse 5. Let's try that, shall we? Let's try that. Everyone makes mistakes. That's why pencils have erasers. Amen. Okay, now we have it. Thank you. Thank you to the media team who is long-suffering. No, they really are. <laughs> they are. Hebrews 3, I almost said it again, in verse 5. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. That hurts. For a little while this morning, it's going to keep hurting. Because I love you. you know. <laughs> For a little while this morning, I do, I do feel an unction of the Holy Ghost to preach this message here today. Entitled, Aimlessly Redeemed. Let that settle in a little bit. Aimlessly Redeemed. All right, why don't you do this? Let's, why don't you set your Bibles down, if you would, or your phones or your tablets. Everyone take a deep breath. Go shake someone's hand. Welcome them to church this morning. And say, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. Welcome them to church. Let them know they look good. Even if you have to speak by faith. You all look so good.
All right. Are we ready today? Are we ready for this? Is this okay? Thank you. Amen. I need a couple amen corners here today. Um, just let's, let's, we gotta, we gotta work through something here today. We gotta work through something. And you know what? I love the Lord too much. And I love each and every one of you too much to allow us to just simply go through motions. That's the cool thing about God. He doesn't let us go through the motions either. You can go to any other church, and there's great churches, so I'm not speaking disparagingly about anybody, but you can go to any other church and, and have any kind of fluffy, uh, make-you-feel-good message. You can go places that condemn you and make you feel terrible. There's a whole spectrum. I don't want to walk in, on, on the extremes of the spectrum. I want to walk in alignment with what God wants to do. That's what I want for us to do today. I don't want to be all grace and no truth. And only the hardness of truth with no grace. Full of grace and truth. Amen. But to do that, we have to obey. And there needs to be a response. And we can make up in our mind this morning whether or not we're going to respond today. Or we could have the danger of Pharaoh and say, well, we'll just take this off of us tomorrow. We'll just kick this can down the road. I want to tell you something that the Lord is long-suffering, and he's gracious and full of mercy. But when he speaks, he's not playing, Lee. He's not joking around this morning. There are some things Scripture talks about that he used to wink at. Kind of like, okay, you'll figure it out. But then when he's done winking at it, it's like, no, you really have to do this now. Like, we're done playing. We're done kind of joking around. So I want to come with as much grace as I can here today. I also want to present to you some truth here today. Actually, not just some truth. Like, I want it to be all truth. Um, but for this to manifest anything good in your life, we have to receive and respond. And that's what I'm going to ask for us here today. Don't be afraid of what the Lord is doing because he's talking to us. And it, this is good. This is good. Hebrews chapter 3, as it turns out, gives us this insight into what was going on into, with Israel as this author is writing to us also here today. He's, it's the book of Hebrews, which is a book intended to, for God's people, the Hebrew people, the people of tradition and faith and faithfulness to God. The reality is, though, in today, in Christianity, we can find ourselves in maybe a similar position of having stood the tests of time and being people of God and faithfulness to God. And Paul is writing a very firm word, I believe it's Paul anyway, is writing a firm word to these people Letting them know you have done great things and you've got tradition, you've held on to a lot of things, but there's some things that really have to be broken. And there's some things that really have to move forward. And what has happened in our past, and what's happened in the past, when we read in the Old Testament, we read through all the scriptures, what's happened in the past is a testimony and a story and showing of what can happen in our lives if we allow it to happen. 
for the good, yes, for the good in obedience to God, but also to the negative in not following him and not obeying him. I was just talking with the media team over here and thanking them for persevering here this morning. And one of the things that I felt here today and what, what, that just gripped my heart so firmly here this morning is that while we were worshiping and while we were going through this service, there was a, there was a grieving in my spirit. And I feel like it was a grieving from the Lord that was mirroring what the Lord was, was grieving for us that we weren't ascending and we weren't pursuing that we weren't stepping up into where he has for us today, that we begin to just kind of settle back in. And knowing that grief and that heaviness that we can feel, we can either lean into that and say, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond and I'm going to do what you want me to do and I'm going to surrender and give, give really everything to you, not to, not to break you down, but really to move you forward. You can do that. Or, as Israel did and as we read in this passage in Hebrews, we can rebel. And if we rebel, that grief turns to wrath, wrath, a judgment. I don't want to rebel against God. This world is full of rebellion. This world is full of rebellion all over. There's little rebellions everywhere in this world, rebelling against every authority that there can be. It's everywhere. It's a spirit of our times. It's a spirit of rebellion that we that we have, but what I'm trying to help us with here today is that's fine for there to be little small rebellions against the evils of this world and the, the, the systems of this world, fine, do what you feel like you need to do, but make sure one thing in your heart and your mind here today, church, is that you don't rebel against the hand and the word of the Lord. I'm not talking about me today. This isn't about me and, and your pastor and trying to be somebody that I'm not. It's not about me. It's not about this man. It's about what God is doing and what he's saying and, and responding to God and not turning a, a, a willful deaf ear or a willful blind eye about what the Lord is doing and saying in your life today. If you've been fighting something for a really long time, it's time to stop to stop uh, fighting with the Lord about this issue in time to really resolve some things in your heart. Because Israel had fought with some things for a while. They fought with their slavery and their bondage. And even as they go into their land of promise, they carried that slave mentality with them into their promised land. And the issue that they faced is that they came into this promise already disobedient to the Lord. The narrative of the children of Israel is that they were in bondage and they were set free to enter into their promise. They were redeemed from their slavery. Redemption. Redemption is such a powerful word and it's such a powerful thing that can take place in your life when you realize that you are slave, that you are bound and that you are captive and that there is nothing that you can do about it. But then when somebody comes your way and calls your name and sets you free and you say, could this really be for me? Yes, it's really for you. You truly are set free. Somebody here today, you truly have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. And there is no currency on earth that can ever outmatch the, the wealth and the, and the favor of the blood of Jesus Christ. You have been redeemed. God's people in slavery in Egypt were redeemed through the waters. The blood of the Lamb on their doorposts, they were redeemed. And they were set free. 
They were set free. They walked through those waters of that Red Sea that was parted, a wall of water on one side and on the other, and they passed through the Bible. Your Bible tells you that they passed through on dry ground. They stopped and looked behind them as Pharaoh and Egypt began to pursue when the cloud was lifted and come through that sea. And they, they watched as the, with, with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the Lord caused a wind to blow and caused those waters to come upon Pharaoh and his chariots and his army. But right before this happens, the Lord speaks to Moses. He says, lift your rod. Because this Pharaoh and this army, you'll never see them again. I think that's powerful. You'll never see them again. Some of you, the stuff that you've been set free from, the ghosts that haunt you are the only things that have power in your life because we've given it to them. They are just ghosts. They're just vapor and image. They're just memory. They don't have any power over your life. So there they are, God's people redeemed, set free, no longer captive, no longer slave, going into the, going into the wilderness. But Moses brings them, as the Lord leads them, brings them to a place where it's now time for them to assess and to spy out their promised land, really their destiny of what God had brought them into. Numbers chapter 13, this is their commission. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 17. I hope I got this one right. Okay. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And said to them, go up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like. Whether the people, hear this, they're going in with a mentality and a mindset. You're going to see what this land is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak. That lets us know that even from the outset of their journey, there's a possibility that the people that they could be encountering are strong. They didn't go in there just thinking, well, it's just going to be a cakewalk. Moses is setting them up to say, you got to find out, are they strong? Because we might, we might encounter some strong resistance. And you've encountered, come on, somebody. Oh, where's Brother Powell? I wish I had a church this morning. You've encountered some strong resistance. Is it, can I get a witness here today? Is there anybody who's encountered some strong resistance? Yes, you have. So he says, we want to know, are they strong or are they weak? Are they few or are they many? Whether the, the land they dwell in is good or whether it's bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or are they strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are forests or there not be. But no matter what you do, be of good courage. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Their role was to obtain a report of the condition of their destiny. Moses prepared them for some of the things that they might see. But what they ended up perceiving was greater than the truth. 
Hear that today. Let that settle in your heart. What they perceived was greater than the truth. They came back and gave a report. Twelve spies were sent. Ten were bad and two were good. What's the name of the two that were good? Joshua and Caleb. What's the name of the ten that had a bad report? You don't even know their names. That's the point. The reason you don't know their names is because all they had was negativity about what God had spoken about the destiny. Like they, all they had was negativity. They didn't have anything positive. You can't even pronounce half their names. Even when you're in the minority, trust the promise that God gave you. Even when you're in the minority and everybody else seems like they're losing their mind. Stop listening to them. Don't give your heart over to them. All that they have in their mind is self-interest. So what they, they came back with grapes the size of basketballs. Not quite that. They came back, the land that flows with milk and honey. They said, this, this is the real deal. But you know what they also came back with? They came back with fear. And they started to sow seeds of fear among people. And they said, yeah, it's everything that we thought it would be, but their cities are walled fortresses. There's giants that dwell in And we were grasshoppers in their sight? No. In our own sight. They talked about how the land devoured the people. Like it was some kind of, some kind of worm that just opened up and just swallowed up people. Ironically, that's what happened to them when they were in the wilderness. Anyway, I won't go. And everything, here's the thing, here's the truth. Everything that they feared fell upon them in their wilderness wanderings because they refused to enter in. They were afraid. You know what they were afraid of? They were afraid to die. The irony is that they died. They died. Only having a memory of what could have been. They were redeemed. They were redeemed. The song we used to sing. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Remember that one? Yeah, you may. I know you do. Some of you? All right, there, here we go. Okay, got a witness. All right. They were redeemed. But they wandered aimlessly in their redemption. Children of God, brothers and sisters, we're redeemed. But where are you going? You're redeemed. You're not, you're not slave anymore. You're not captive anymore. You're not bound anymore. And the stuff that you've been set free from, when you go through the waters of baptism, it doesn't follow you anymore. It's not there, and it's gone, not just for that moment, but forever.
forever. It's gone. But where are you going? Where are you wandering? Where are we walking? June 17th, 1898, world-renowned artist Maritz Cornelius Escher, a Dutch graphic artist, was born. It wasn't until 70 years later that some of his masterful artwork was finally realized. His work featured mathematical objects and operations, including impossible objects, the explorations of infinity, reflections, symmetry, and perspective, just to name a few. You might not know his name, but you probably know his work because it's illustrated on the screen right here in front of you. And if you've ever seen any of this artwork before, it is, it, you look at it and you're like, what am I looking at? It's stairs that go up, but they also seem to go down at the same time. It's circles of rooms that interlock together and people traveling in, from one room to another, but never really ever getting anywhere. It's an endless loop where they just keep going round and round and round. And one of his, in this image that you can kind of make out in the screen here today, and I would encourage you to look, look this artist up. It's really some fascinating stuff. You've probably seen some of his work. But one of the things that you will see in, in his work is, in this image that you see here is, is titled Relativity. And this is, where we, this is where we sit and where we dwell. We dwell in the place of relativity. Where it seems like things are moving. It seems like we're making progress just because we're active. But if all you do is walk around in circles for 40 years and end up in the same place that you started, never advancing into the destiny that God has given you for his glory and his name, relatively, sure, you could be doing some things but you're aimlessly reading it. Purposeless in our wondering. Imagine, imagine that sentence that Israel received to wander in the wilderness until an entire generation was taken out. And here today, as Christians, and as, especially in the 21st century, we can say that's pretty harsh. That's a pretty harsh sentence. Wouldn't you, like some of us would be like, that's a pretty harsh sentence. It's only harsh when you actually set it next to what God just did for his people. Like these aren't people that had a hundred or four hundred or five hundred or a thousand or a couple thousand years of not seeing anything from the Lord. They just saw what he did. They just saw the swarm of locusts. They just saw the plague of blood. They just saw the swarm of flies. They just saw the cattle dying. They just saw the darkness and the fiery hail. They just saw the firstborn killed. They saw all of that while their people were, they saw everything happen and the waters part and they walked through it and they saw Egypt destroyed. They saw all of this. Yet when it comes to taking the land 
and walking into their destiny, they saw the greatest price that's ever been paid for a people. Yet when they saw the destiny that they were intended to walk through and it would require them to do something about it. See, what the Lord beautifully did is he said, I'll take you through and I'll redeem you and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to redeem you. Israel didn't have to do anything for that redemption. They just had to walk, which is good practice because they were going to be doing a lot of that. They didn't, have, they didn't have to do anything for the water to get turned to blood. They didn't have to do anything for the flies to come or the locusts to come or the frogs to come. They just had to sit back and watch what God was doing. Did you know that's the story of redemption? That you've been redeemed and there's nothing you could do about it. You can't pay a price for that. Because the price has already been paid. Come on, somebody. The price has already been paid. So he took and he'd paid all that price and did everything to redeem his people. And he says, now I'm going to bring you to a place and I'll be with you. I'll drive those people out. I'll bring those cities down. You're going to go work in fields and, that you didn't plant. You're going to have a harvest from those fields. You're going to live in houses and cities that you didn't build. You're going to have all of this infrastructure that you didn't have to put up. I just, uh, I'm not going to do all this by myself. I'm going to put something in your hands. And they said, whoop. I don't think so, Lord. We're a little afraid of taking that step. And so for 40 years, when they refused to engage, for 40 years, they waited. But can I tell us here today, that's their story. Their story is written for you because that doesn't have to be your story. It doesn't have to be our story, church. Come on, somebody. It doesn't have to be your story. You don't have to wander aimlessly. You may have missed some windows and missed some opportunities, and you may feel like there's nothing, God, I got to go through this. Stop doing that. Stop trying to redeem yourself. He's already redeemed you. Hear, hear this preacher today. Some of you... Mm. Some of you have done some things in your life and had some things in your life happen that you think that you've got to walk that sentence for the rest of your life. Hear me today. That's what redemption is for. Redemption takes you out of that place, a place that you couldn't do anything to purchase your own freedom, and you can't do anything to try and earn it to make it right. Jesus already did that for you. You just need to walk in what he has purposed you and purchased you to do. So that's their story, but it doesn't have to be your story. Psalms 107 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Verse number 2, so beautiful. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say something about it and say, you know, he redeemed me. The problem with Israel is they didn't realize they were redeemed. They thought that they were still slaves. They thought that they still had to live under some, some uh, deeper level of subservience to somebody else. But what the Lord is doing in your life is he's saying you have been redeemed. You've been set free. And, but it's your responsibility. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so.
who he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And he gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. Go ahead, the Bible says, and proclaim your redemption and proclaim your liberty. Some of you need to remember and start to stir up that gift of proclamation, proclaiming that you have been redeemed and you stop living in your past and by the, and by the narrative of the ghost that haunts you and allow yourself to actually walk in what God has destined you to walk in. Listen, inside every one of us is given a measure of faith. And that faith inside of you is screaming, let me out. But every failure, every mistake, every problem with institutional religion, it, come on somebody, every tradition that we face, every, every operational thing that we, have, we think that we have to walk by and how this doesn't really fit with the narrative of my life because, you know, it just doesn't seem like, like all of that is suppressing that faith that's trying to get out. And some of you need to realize that you've been redeemed and that fear to get out from where you're at is the only thing holding you hostage. And it's time. Come on, church. It's time. For the redeemed of the Lord to say so. You need to remember somebody here today that you have been redeemed. And to not be ashamed of redemption. For I am not ashamed, Romans 1 and 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means that you have got a salvation and a promise that God has given to you. But you got to start with saying, I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. Whew. Are we getting there this morning? We're getting there. I'm not there yet, though. Your redemption, I tell you, your redemption gives you a new purpose. They, their life in Israel, Israel's life in Egypt had a purpose. To their taskmasters, their purpose was property. That's all that they were. But when the Lord set them free and redeemed them, it changed their purpose. It doesn't just give you a purpose, though. Can I tell somebody here today, it also gives you a release. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now, so I'm going to say this. Don't get mad at me. I don't know if this is, this is not going to apply to everybody, but it's going to apply to most of you. So don't get mad at me. Well, you can if you want. I don't really care. Um, some of you are so afraid huh, because of what other people are going to do or what other people are going to say. And you're afraid to step in to the destiny that God has given you and to live in what his, live worthy of the price that his precious blood was given for you. You're afraid of what other people are going to say and how other people are going to react. I'm going to extend an olive branch to us here today because if you're close with people that are not believers, 
or if you're close with people who believe something else and have very strong convictions about other things, I can, I can extend an olive branch to say that is a weight that you carry because of the, the closeness of those relationships. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry you carry that weight. It's not God's design or his intention. And I can promise you he wants to restore. He wants to restore all of that. Do you ever recognize and realize that part of your redemption is that you're given the ministry of reconciliation? And that in that ministry of reconciliation, maybe that person is maybe that person that is so influential in your life, maybe God has placed you in their lives to help reconcile them back to him. And all this while you've been carrying that as a burden and something that's too heavy for you and something that you're, you're starting to uh, maybe even compromise about. But all the while the Lord is saying, no, don't compromise and don't give in because I've actually called you for this purpose. That if all your life is lived as an anvil where the Lord is working on that person, if that's what your life is lived for, but at the end of the day, they make it to heaven because of the ministry of reconciliation in your life, is your life worth it? You've now been repurposed from being a slave into being a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not behind a pulpit, not on a stage, not on a video somewhere, but down in the trenches right where they need you. And you feel like, well, that's not my destiny. Yes, it is your destiny. Yes, that's why God called you. He called you out of this world and to do something and to change your identity. He gives you a new purpose. But he doesn't just give you a new purpose. He gives you a release. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. I get so nervous because now I'm like, I don't know if I'm getting any of these right. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise, this, in this, uh, the same, he himself likewise, in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Verse 15, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Verse 16 will rock your world. For indeed, he does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. And you have been grafted into the vine, and you are part of that same seed. And he gives aid to you so that you can overcome and release you through those who the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You've been feeling subject to bondage all of your life. But in his redemption, he has redeemed you from the fear that has bound you to that death. Hear me, it's not just a physical death, but it's death of relationships, it's, it's death of self-worth, self-worth, it's death of identity, it's death of, of, of your future and your plans and everything you thought, it's the death of everything you got yourself wrapped up into. And the Lord says, I'm freeing you from the bondage of that because you're going to actually find what your identity is when you realize that you're redeemed for a purpose. 
not to wander aimlessly, but to do something in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Let's just pray right now. Jesus, Jesus, we love you, Lord God, that you've redeemed us. You've redeemed us. You've redeemed us by your blood, by your precious blood that you paid for us, Lord God. You redeemed us. You've called us. You've set us free. You've given us a new purpose and a new release in our lives. God, I pray against every bondage that we would feel or that we would, that we would place on ourselves or, Lord, imposed by anybody else, that we would not receive that bondage, Lord, right now, that those chains with no locks on it would begin to fall off of us, Lord, in this place today, and that we would realize that we are set free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free. Free indeed. Redemption. He's bought you back. He bought you out. And he gave you a new purpose. And a new release. You needed redemption, by the way. Let me just help somebody out here today that doesn't realize this. Because this is, there's this old idea of redemption that God has purchased us back that we should be grateful for. You know, the spirit of the times of our world has replaced the gratitude of redemption for entitlement. Well, because God made me, I didn't ask to be here. Like, literally, I'm not making this up. That's the spirit of our world. That's the spirit of Christian believers today. Because God made me, I didn't ask to be here. So, yeah, he better make a way for me. We can say that if we want. And you're like, well, I, I would never say anything like that. Your actions will speak louder than your words ever do. Because when the Lord begins to speak, and we just get comfortable. Go ahead, Lord. Speak to me. I am willing to receive. I am ready for your words come to me. We even get emotional. <laughs> and the Lord says, cleanse your heart. And he says, repent and turn back to me. Stop finding the idol of yourself in your mirror and look to me. Lord, I, I thought this, this was all about me. You know, you're not the hero in your story. You know that? Yeah, that's really good, but you're not the hero. Like, I know we identify with David a lot, David and Goliath. And we can, and that's fair, and that's good, and I, I can appreciate that. You know, that's David, that's the Lord coming in. Like, David is nothing without the Spirit of the Lord. He's just 
It's like me, just, never mind. I was going to say good looking, but, you know, like, I don't want to. <laughs> anyway, just relax. Everyone just chill. It's okay. David was nothing without the Lord. He was nothing. Every time something powerful happened, it was that the spirit of the Lord came upon him. You needed redemption. I, I needed redemption. You understand, though, that redemption has already taken place because the price has already been paid. Redemption tells us that we don't need to live in misery because of our sin. We don't need to mentally harm ourselves or pay a penance because of our sin. Jesus satisfied the debt of sin he redeemed us through the price that he paid. Here, let me just help somebody out, and I, I got to close here this morning in about 45 minutes. Just kidding. You wish. No, I'm kidding. Um, sometimes we try to find redemption by trying to correct a wrong that we have done. We alter our decisions, and our actions so as to balance the scales or soothe the guilt that we feel in our conscience. We live a lifestyle in an effort to convince ourselves and even others that we are not the sum of our previous lifestyle. And the motivating factor for why we live is not to please Jesus, but it is to try to undo wrong. Redemption says you don't have to undo those things because those things were undone on Calvary. Those things were undone once and for all by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So our motivation for living the way that we live is not because of trying to undo some wrong that we've ever done in our past. The new motivation for why we live in a redeemed lifestyle is to live in such a way that is pleasing to God and that brings Him glory and expresses our gratitude to Him for the price that He paid for an undeserving person such as I. And all these efforts on our own to exercise the finding of redemption. I get it and I understand, but the trouble with that notion is this. When? When does one actually achieve redemption? When does the troubled soul get back to even, as it were? After how many years or how much money or how many good deeds do we have to do to have clean garments that don't bear the stains of the past? After how many good deeds are you able to stop looking over your shoulder? I'm going to say that one again. After how many, you tell me the number, and then I'll come back. After how many good deeds, uh, preacher, how many prayers do I have to pray? And what kinds of prayers do I have to pray so that I can be redeemed and stop looking over my shoulder? 
How much ministry do I have to do? And how many church services do I have to attend for me to be able to call myself a good person again? What's the magic number? And what does it come down to for the past that I have and the sin that I've committed? And as powerful and as wonderful as we may think that our actions and our deeds may be, can I tell you that they do not bring us to the place of redemption. That there is only one thing that brings us to the place of redemption. And it is a price that has already been paid for your sin. A price that has already been paid for everything that you've ever done in the sin of all the world. And it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because in order for there to be a redemption, there must be a ransom that's paid. And the only payment that was an acceptable ransom for you, 1 Peter 1 and 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless, con aimless, your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hebrews 9 and 11, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Ephesians 1 and 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Jesus Christ came once and for all, and he paid every price that ever needed to be paid. All that you have to do is receive that in your life and then begin to walk as one who has been set free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand together here this morning. Aimlessly redeemed. Purposefully, purposelessly walking. I don't know about you. But the time has come to stop walking without purpose. To stop walking without direction and without somewhere to go. Can I get a witness? What happened in my amen corner? Where are you guys at? This is not good. This one's going to hurt more than some of the others. But here's the truth I need to tell somebody today. More than just one somebody. All around this great community of greater life. Between Columbia Heights, Blaine, Brooklyn uh, Center. And the growth that's taking place and we're experiencing. There are ministry opportunities for everybody. For everybody. We have an entire meeting on Wednesday dedicated to our volunteers and anybody who wants to be a volunteer. Ministry opportunities everywhere. You know what? Just because you volunteer, just because you clock in the hours, doesn't mean that you're fulfilling the purpose that God has given you.
I don't want to turn anybody down because we need help. So more than likely, the answer you're going to hear from me is yes. That's not why you were called. You weren't, you weren't called to fulfill a position in a church somewhere. You weren't called so that your resume can have volunteer at Greater Life somewhere. You can do both, okay? Hear me, you can do both. But if that's all you're doing, you're going up one staircase, it's actually down another. You're going in circles. And 40 years later, an entire generation later, all that you're going to have to show for is that you ended right where you started. On the banks of your destiny. You're redeemed for more. Jesus' blood is worth more than where you're living. And somewhere along the lines, we have settled for the government housing intentions of our hearts that segregates us and says, you just stay here. It's better than what you had. Just stay here and be quiet. Is that, is that a little hard this morning? We settled for that. And somebody institutionally told us that you have to stay there. And you can even perceive barriers that are standing in your way. But his kingdom, you know what's so cool about his kingdom? In his kingdom, he says, there is neither bond nor free, Jew nor Greeks, Male or female. You know why? We're all one in Christ. Do you believe that? And you know that his kingdom is greater than any kingdom of this world? What barrier in this world is going to stop you? There's one thing. as great as the price of redemption was and as many opportunities and wide open doors as he has given us it's us that stand on the banks on the wrong side of the Jordan River saying I'll never make it over I'll never make it to my promise I'll never make it to the destiny paid too much for you for you to live how you're living. And where this begins today when we actually realize that I'll tell you where it begins. It begins with repentance. Oh, I know we want to just go, okay, Lord, I'm ready. I'll go all in, and, and here I am. I'll get into my promise, but, but hold on. Stop before we ever get anywhere. 
Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that for all these years and for all this time, I've, living, I've been living far beneath the worth of the blood that you shed for me. I'm sorry, God, that I let fear be bigger than the promise that you've given me. I'm sorry, God, that I saw myself as small when you said that we're so much more. Forgive me. And now, God, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to take me, and wherever I got to go, I lay down all of my pride. I lay down and I abandon fear. It's never done anything for me anyway. I lay down my agendas. I lay down my own thoughts of how I think things should go. I lay down control. And I present myself to you a living sacrifice and acceptable unto you because of the price that you paid for me that's a reasonable service thank you Jesus I want to open up this altar at this time and I want to invite you but don't come unless don't come unless hear me don't come unless you want Walk in the promise and the destiny that God has for you. I'm not taking this lightly this morning and we're not leaving it up to chance. This is an intentional decision. You've heard the word of the Lord this morning as it's gone out through the gifts of the Spirit. You've heard this message here today as I've tried to pour out my heart to us here today. And what I want to do is invite you, if you're ready, if you truly are ready, saying, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to let go of control. Hear, hear me today as, you, as you're coming. That's fine. I'm willing to let go. I'm ready to let go of control. I'm willing to let go of agenda. God, I'm willing to let go of, of my, own, uh, my own perceptions of how I think this should go. Lord, I'm willing to let go of my own strengths that I think that I have. God, I just want to walk in the destiny that you have orchestrated for my life and that you already paid for through redemption. God, I want to find purpose again. I want to find meaning again in my life. I feel like I'm walking around with no purpose. God, I want to find purpose. I want to find aim. I want to find re redemption, Lord God, and the purpose of your redemption you placed in my life. So God, forgive me. Forgive us, oh Lord. Forgive us, oh Lord God, today. Forgive us, God, today for not living up to the price and the value of the blood that you shed for me. God, that I walk so casually as a person of the promise of the blood that you shed for my life. That you didn't exact that judgment on somebody else, you exacted it on yourself for me. Forgive me, God, for coming up short and letting fear control my life. I ask you today, Lord, that you give us 
Lord, give us direction. Help us to walk, Lord, in the promise and the destiny that you've placed in our lives. God, help us to bring the priorities back into alignment with what you want them to be. God, if you've got to take anything out of me, take everything out of me. If you've got to use me, oh God, then use me, oh Jesus. <laughs>